Wealth Tactic Rebels, ingenious tactics to accumulate wealth for people who see things differently. Welcome to another discussion with Wealth Tactic Rebels, the podcast for people who think differently. I'm your host, Kevin Dumont, and I've been thinking differently in the wealth field for going on nearly 15 years now, and joined by a great guest today, Linda Hannon. Linda, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me, Kevin. Great to have you here today. It's a pleasure. Linda is the founder of Real Family Finance, which is an online classes to teach women how to manage their money. I could try to give you a description of that, but I think Linda probably is more of a pro describing her business than I am. So Linda, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about you know where you came from and what inspired you to get to where you are today. It's a long story, (laughs) but I'll tell it quick. (laughs) I actually was in the corporate world for, God, 30-something years as an accountant and then controller, then eventually a chief financial officer. And I used to specialize in companies that were in distress. Go in, you're doing crisis management. You have to help them figure out how to get their finances under control and then get them on a healthy path and either teach them how to stay on a healthy path or a lot of times I would help them sell their companies. So I've been doing the numbers game for a million years, which would make you think that I was a personal finance expert. And believe it or not, I was not back in my early 20s. I was like a lot of people. It's like I felt like I had never been taught how money worked. Even though I did it for a living, somehow I could not get my personal finances under control. So I was looking my late 20s. I was divorced. I got divorced. I ended up with one less income. I got the kid. I got the house, I got the mortgage, I got the bills. And it was a disaster. The credit card bills would just keep going up. You know, I'd get a bonus or a tax refund, I'd bang them back down again. And it was just chaos. I'll never forget the first day that I finally said, I, this needs to stop. And I sat down and I had literally never even done this before, put together my credit card statements and figured out how much money I owed. When I sat down and looked at it and figured out what I was going to have to do to pay him off, I realized it was going to take me four years to get out of debt. And I remember just being like, I don't know how this happened. So I did. I got out of debt. I actually did it in about three years. And then I promptly made the next mistake, which was I bought a house I couldn't afford. At the time, it was sort of like I wanted to get into a better school system and get closer to my parents, you know, all the right reasons. Lifestyle gets the better of us every now and then. Exactly. But the numbers didn't work. And I literally moved into that house and we had no furniture for three years. Literally. Mattress on the floor? Yes. Air mattress, no less. Oh. That had to get replaced like every two years because eventually you can't leave them blown up all the time. It right. Turns out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They're not really designed for that. <laughs> you know, there's an opportunity cost on that, that air mattress there. There definitely was. So again, you know, things slowly get better the way they do, but I wasn't really paying attention to it. And I think it was just, it felt overwhelming. It felt like it was too hard. I had a lot of excuses why I wasn't taking care of that part of my life. And then the day came when my son came home from middle school, first day of middle school. And um, you remember the days when the kids come home that first day and they have the backpack and it's full of papers and they're like, you got to fill them all out. So one of the papers that they Chris had to fill out was he had to pick an elective because they the middle school for us is when they started to rotate classes. And they already, like in middle school, had to pick a career path. They could pick college, the trades, or general studies. And I remember Chris sitting at the kitchen table. He's a little kid. And he's like, yep, I'm going to college because I'm going to be a pilot someday. And it was just really weird because that was the moment that was like, for me, my aha moment. Because I'm looking at him and he is so confident 
that that's his path and that's what he's going to do. And I'm sitting there saying, I don't have a single penny safe for you to go to college. It was for me, it was eye opening, but it was also one of those, you know how sometimes you can't do things for yourself, but you can do them for somebody else. Right, right. That old saying, you can see the splinter in someone else's eye, but you can't see it in yours. Exactly. And that was my moment. I was like, okay, I have not been able to figure my money out for myself, but if Chris wants to go to college, I got to make this happen. So I went on a mission to figure out how my personal finances really worked. And mind you, I had the advantage that I had an accounting background, Mm -hmm. but it was hard. It was like, there was no obvious place to go. There was no you, there was no me. And I had to, I took classes, but they would be classes that were about a piece of something. And the reality is with money, there's a lot of moving parts. So there was a lot of classes. Traditional school doesn't teach that though. They don't have that. I mean, I know they didn't have when I went to school. I still don't think they do. They don't. Anywhere, even in college. In accounting, what did they teach you? They taught you how to calculate things and stuff, but they probably didn't teach you anything about how to manage your personal finances or assets or anything. Nothing. They didn't even teach you how to like budget. They would teach you how to deal with money that came in and they teach you how to count it, but they wouldn't teach you how to proactively plan for what you were going to do. And then there's like all the basics of how do you apply for a credit card? What's the difference between different credit cards? What does this interest thing mean? You know, what's a minimum? I mean, they don't teach you any of this stuff. So you sort of figure it out a lot along the way, but then there's the bigger buckets that nobody's teaching you. So it took me years. It took me a lot of mistakes along the way before I figured it out. But I eventually came up with something that worked for me. And I'm going along, I'm doing my CFOE thing. I actually started my own consulting business. And I was at a networking event a couple of years ago, and a woman came up to me and she said, do you do for people what you do for businesses? And I was like, well, I typically don't, but I could. I mean, it's all very similar. And I know I figured it out for myself. So at the networking event, when you get your 60 minutes to say what you do, I stood up and I said, hey, I was talking to so-and-so. She asked if I would teach a little her a little personal finance. Is anyone else interested? And 15 women raised their hands. And I was like, wow, there's a real need. So I started teaching live classes and sort of took off from there. I was just amazed when I realized that nobody knows how money works. There's just no resources. There really isn't, and that's the thing. And it's one of the reasons for this Wealth Tactic Rebel podcast is there needs to be more coaches out there. How do you manage it? What do you do? What's the tactics of how you manage your money? There's not enough of that going on. You get some people that give some basics advice. You know, and some people who listen to like Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman, but that's not the same thing. There's things that they touch on, but there's a lot of things that they don't. Because, right. you know, with the rest, you and I have already talked. We start with that approach with Wealth Tactic Rebels of, you have more to be had by first avoiding losses before you go chasing a rate of return. I can see when you're talking, you're already thinking about that. And I like, Kevin, that I think we both talk about the same thing. It's like you can't think in pieces. Right. You need to have like a fundamental base to work from. And then there's a place to drop the pieces into. But if you don't have that fundamental base and a fundamental plan, then nothing's going to work or it's going to be painful. It's going to be very painful. Right, right. You're going to be running around. I don't know what I'm doing. You're trying to just kind of pull pieces together and hoping it works. Hope is a great thing to have, <laughs> but it's not a plan. <laughs> exactly. And as we both know, it's one of the big things for money is time. Right. Time is such a huge factor. So I did not appreciate it as much when I was 20 something as I do today, um, just because you, you see the impact of like losing it and it going away. And all of a sudden you're like, it's the opportunity cost is 
as you talk about, a big piece of that has to be tied to money. You know, how many years are you losing having the ability to do things with your money? Right. I agree. So, uh, so today we're talking about thinking about managing your money and uh, five key points to thinking differently so that you can help prepare for that success. So you're not going to hopefully miss out along the way, you know, learn from Linda's trial and errors during her life. So hopefully other people at whatever point they are can start implementing some sort of actual strategy. I think let's start with the beginning there, budgeting. That's one of the five pieces. So just real quick, the five pieces that I talk about is my baseline right. is that people need to have be thinking about budgeting, debt management, savings, investing, and retirement planning. Okay. And you need all five of those pieces in some form. Right. Uh, some of them will be more important at, at certain times than other times, but you need all five. Budgeting is clearly one that people need all the time because what budgeting is really about, it's just it's a scary word. I hate that word. I wish, like, I want to invent a new word. And I'm going to come up with something better than budgeting because it just sounds so scary. And it sounds so negative. But the truth is, is that what budgeting is about is really understanding how much money is coming into your life and then where's it going. And then having both happen with purpose. So it's not just random because you have control. The truth is, is that most of us have some control over how, how much money comes into our lives, whether that's you get a better job or a different job or there's various ways that you can have money come in your life. And then the same with spending is that people have more control over their spending than they think, which is kind of weird because I think you hear a lot of people when they talk about budgeting, they're saying, I'm watching how I spend my money and I'm trying to be very careful. Right. And I think a lot of that comes down to lifestyle. The choices that we make in our lives are a lifestyle choice. Like the house that we live in, it's a lifestyle choice. If you live in anything more than a basic four wall with a roof that just keeps the rain off of you, you know what I mean? <laughs> anything more than that is a lifestyle choice. It's just what level of lifestyle do you want? The, the clothes you wear, the shoes, the food, types of restaurants you go to, the entertainment that you seek, those are all lifestyle choices. And you're right, you have you can scale that lifestyle depending on what you choose to do with your financial path. And that's the purpose part of it. It's like one of the things that I see is like people choose a lifestyle without really understanding how it fits into their their financial picture for the good and the bad. Like I remember one of my early students came to me because her husband wanted to put a new great room on their house. And mm -hmm. she was like, we can't afford it. When I, we can't do it. I, I need to be able to show him we can't do this. She's like, right. we have two kids that are getting ready for college. And yes, we need a bigger house because we're all growing it. But I'm afraid that that's going to jeopardize our ability to help them with college and we'll never be able to retire. Right, but when we right. sat down and like really looked at her numbers, it turned out they could totally afford it. It's making sure that the lifestyle that you're choosing is something that fits with all the rest of your math. I agree. I mean, we all want more lifestyle, but we have to be able to afford to do it. Sometimes people live their life, especially when you're young. I don't know about your experience in life, but my experience is the future comes a lot faster than you think it's going to come. It's just like the rest of the wealth tactics, right? It doesn't exist in a bubble. You have to plan for now and the future. Sometimes people get buried in debt, which is going to be our next discussion, and they don't live a, a good lifestyle. But you can't live all of your life today. You have to reserve some for tomorrow. You know what I mean? It's expensive yes. tomorrow is what I'm saying. So I guess that actually kind of segues into the debt thing. Number two, debt management. All of us live with debt. And I think that debt is a very normal and can be a very healthy part of your life. But it's got to be in balance and you need to understand what that balance is. For example, I will frequently see people that are blowing their budgets by their living a lifestyle they can't afford. And the way they're paying for it is they keep increasing their debt. 
And so their debt just keeps getting worse. Eventually, when you get to the point that you want to retire, carrying a lot of debt into your retirement is a recipe for absolute disaster. But again, like you're saying, depending on the debt can be good. There's good and bad mm-hmm. debt. It just depends on what you're carrying with you and how you planned for it. And that's the important part. It's so important for people to have an actual plan for their debt. Think about how many people, their way of dealing with debt is that when a statement comes in the mail for something they own a credit card, they just pay the minimum and then the next one comes three days later. It's just something they're reacting to instead of having like a plan. Like we talked about earlier when when I, the first time I really got myself out of debt, I had to sit down, really face what I owed and figure out what was it going to take to get out of debt and then try to adjust my lifestyle so that I didn't create any more debt. But one of my big things is that I hate to see people stop living their lives to pay off their debt because it's a big thing. And I appreciate that that's stressful. I appreciate there can be huge numbers, but I see people literally giving up years of their lives of doing anything that's living because they're, they're trying to pay off their debt. And we only get one life. You've got to live your life. You've got to balance it. It's all about balance. I agree. And we, we were talking about this earlier too, is I had that experience at one point in my life too, where I had too much debt and I was struggling financially and I stopped virtually every expense. I only bought things if I had to buy it. That was the only time I did nothing. I didn't travel. I didn't go out to eat. I pretty much didn't even buy new clothes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just limited myself so that I could focus on paying off my debt. But I'm sure you're noticing the same thing with your clients that come in that are doing this. They're miserable. Oh, my God. And then the problem is you stop doing it because you're like, you go on a crazy shopping spree. Or So how long did you last? I did it several years, actually. I was under that belief, and I kept forcing myself and for myself. And it just kept getting worse and worse to a point where I just I couldn't take it. Just couldn't take it anymore. I had to change my life. It was like you when you had one of those aha moments. It's like, I have mm-hmm. to do something. I can't live like this. It's never going to change if I don't change something. Like the definition of crazy, right? Keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. That's what I was doing. It just wasn't working. So what did you change? First thing I changed was what I was doing, actually, at the time, work-wise. And then, like you were saying, I also decided to take a better look at what my expenses were, what my debts were, and how can I pay for them and still have a little bit of lifestyle. And I, I decided that, you know what, it's worth me maybe taking a little longer to pay off the debt because I'm going to be in such a better place emotionally. My whole quality of life will increase. And It's huge. And it's huge. And I did. And at some point, I also hadn't even paid off the debt yet. I started savings too, which made me feel even better. When I improved the quality of my life, I was in a better place mentally. My income went up as an indirect result, which made it easier for me to manage the debt. You know, you see what I'm saying? Like It's like yes. a circle. Like If you make yourself miserable and you can't function... How are you going to get out of the situation you're in? You pick up such a great point. I see this all the time. I see so many women that are so stuck in the budgeting and the debt management circles, their cycles. They can't see anything else and their heads down instead of being up so that they miss those other opportunities. I agree. And I, I know that we, with the Wealth Tech Rebels, focus on the first avoiding losses. And you do need to do that. But it's, it doesn't exist in a, in a, in a vacuum. Because part of avoiding losses is also planning for the future and doing something for the future. It's not just all right now. So if all you're doing is focusing right now on that negative debt management, you're not thinking about what can I increase, not just in your, all you're thinking about is what I can decrease, but your whole life is decreased. You're not going to go anywhere with it. 
that's one of the things that I have, I think I've enjoyed the most when teaching women about money in the last couple of years has been watching how quickly people's lives can change mm -hmm. when they change that thought process. Makes all the difference in the world right there. Thinking differently. Should we segue into the next step, savings? Yes, absolutely. So savings is about looking to the future and starting to think about what do you want? And then how do you get there? I mean, that sounds so basic. It sounds so easy. But I would guarantee if you grab five people off the street and ask them what they're saving for, at least three out of the five will be they're not saving anything for anything. They're not even setting any goals for themselves. You know, when you look at things, financially speaking, if you're thinking differently and you're setting those goals and you're reaching for them, you're improving. And you're increasing. And you're, what are you increasing? Your life and your lifestyle and probably your income. It's easier to work towards something than to avoid something. And then the other thing I see is that is that I encourage is that like the reality is if you're younger and you're you've got a family and you do have some debt you're trying to pay off, you probably don't have a lot of money to save. But I believe that you no matter how small it is, and I'm like I don't care if it's five dollars a week. You need to introduce saving into your thought process because not just for the, the fact that your savings towards a goal, people set goals to get themselves out of debt and then they get either close to the goal or they get to the goal and they haven't thought about what they're going to do with that money. So say you're, you're spending $500 a month getting, paying off your credit card bills. What happens when the credit card bills are paid off? It's way too easy to say, let's just go spend it. But if you have savings goals and you've been saving, even if it's small money, the thought process is easier to say, let's shift that money over into those savings goals. If you're saying to yourself, I had a goal of setting and paying off my debt, but then I had these three other savings goals, like the vacation, a new house, it can be retirement, whatever it is, if you're not having to stop and think about it, you can just say, okay, now I'm going to get to that goal faster. Right. I'm going to mention the opportunity cost again here. And for any of our listeners that haven't heard our episode about opportunity costs. The quick version is if you have a dollar that you lose, like say in a tax you didn't need to pay, you're not losing that dollar. You're losing that dollar and everything it would have earned for you over time, which is a much larger number. So sometimes, even though you have debt, paying yourself will end up with a lot more money because you're earning money. Yes, I know your debt is costing you money, but you're not earning anything either. So sometimes when you calculate the opportunity costs on those two items, sometimes that dollar over 30 years of your life is worth a lot more, and you're going to have a lot more because of it, than worrying about a few percent interests that you're paying now to the bank over the next few years. And don't you see that if people have like goals, whether it's like some debt payoff and some savings goals, that somehow you make it happen. Exactly. And you get that positive reward with the savings that like the longer it sits there, the more it grows. You, you're getting like a, a huge positive reinforcement. I just see that if it's like if somebody has savings goals, somehow they happen. Maybe not as fast as you'd like sometimes, but you're on the path. Exactly. Get the plan and plans change over time. So don't worry if you have the solution for the rest of your life now, but you're at least going down the right path now and you can modify it with some help of your coach, Linda, you know, <laughs> along <Kevin>. the way. <laughs> there you go. You cannot do money alone. Oh, God. Everybody needs a support system for their money. The more that I have gotten into what I'm doing, I can't believe how much I've learned in the last couple of years. Like, I thought I had my mm -mm, together, but 
I thought I knew what I was doing, but I can't believe how much I've learned since I've surrounded with myself with people that are doing this. It's amazing. And, and even for the coaches, it's a continual path of learning. Again, don't live in a vacuum. Don't keep yourself shut off because there's always more. I know I've mentioned this before, but I'm a firm believer that people are only experts in whatever it is they think they're an expert in when they realize how much of it they don't know. That's what I believe. When you finally are at that level where you really know a lot about it, you see how much more there is out there. You can know of something but not know all of it. You know it exists but not yes. know all of it, right? When you get to, to realize, oh, there's this and this and this and this and this and this, then you're finally getting to that expert level. Quite frankly, even talking to you and the, the whole concept of the opportunity cost, I find myself thinking about it and it's making my brain work in different ways. It's like, <laughs> this is not, <laughs> it hurts. <No. laughs> but it's very cool because it's, like you said, it's, you don't have to get stuck on one path. We can all shift paths as we get new information, new and better information. So, Right. I think along with savings, that's going to bring us to our next number four on the five key points, right? Which is investing. You know, you've saved some money. Where are you going to put it? What are you going to do with it? What do you expect? What do you want to do? Can I be honest with you, Kevin? Investing scares me to death. Sure. It always has. Right. Of all the five things that I talk about, I always found the investing piece to be incredibly intimidating, even with my backgrounds. Right. Like I had mentioned before, I made mistakes along the way. When I was figuring all this out, the first thing I did once I had a little bit of money was I went and hired a financial planner. I was like, I can't do this. It's scary. There's lots of numbers. They change every day. I, there's all these terms I don't understand and I don't want to understand. So I hired a financial advisor. And two years later, I got a letter from the courts actually out of New York, letting me know that my financial advisor and his firm, who was actually extremely well known in New York, uh -huh. um, had been found guilty of class action lawsuit of lying about stocks, performance and overcharging on commissions. I remember sitting there and I was like, on, man, I guess I'm going to have to figure this part out. <laughs> I have since then have met some absolutely amazing financial advisors. And the truth is investing can be complicated, especially as you start to accumulate more money. It gets into, I think, things that you talk about. It's like you need to have strategic plans about how you use your money in retirement. There's tax implications. The reality is it is complicated and you definitely should not hesitate to find somebody to help you with that. But don't be afraid of it. Get the right help own it and start simple. There's no mm -hmm. reason that you can't start with some simple stuff and it doesn't need to be as scary as a lot of us would like to think it is. I'm sure after finding that out from the courts, it made you think twice about anyone that you were looking at to help manage your money. Do you have any tips about things that you were thinking about or that you did that helped you to pick who you're working with? Absolutely. I think number one is that you have to have your own expectations of what you want the person to do. Right. You need to talk to them and make sure that they talk your language and that they're talking on the same level as you. You should make sure that you understand what it is exactly they're going to do for you. Because I think that's another thing that happens is I think sometimes people just throw their money at a financial advisor and say, take care of everything. That's not a financial advisor's role. It's true because that does happen a lot. Financial advisor is, oh, you know, it's, it's where's your money and they give you a questionnaire about your risk tolerance and say, okay, we're going to do this and you're going to get this percent of rate of return. There's more to it. I quite frankly, talking to people, I've heard people that think a financial advisor is going to tell them how to budget their money. You're right. You know what? I was just thinking <laughs> about this while you were talking. That's true. A financial advisor is not necessarily a wealth tactician or, or a money manager. They're different types of people. They do different things. Just like if you're going to the doctors, you know, there's different doctors for different things. You have your general practitioner, 
But if you have a problem with your heart, you go see a cardiologist. It's really important. There are certain things in our lives that happen that we need to actually go talk to somebody like a financial advisor to get help. And that includes things like tax planning. Estate planning is another huge one. Like, man, especially if, yeah, if you've got kids, if you've been married or remarried, it gets complicated really fast. And you should definitely reach out and find somebody to help you with, with those kinds of situations. Planning for kids with college is another big one. It can be things like if you have some significant money saved towards a savings goal, like buying a house or something like that, you know, by all means, talk to somebody and get some help with how do you get to your goals faster right? or as efficiently as possible. Right, right. Make a plan. I think this all goes back to the, the make a plan, have a plan thing, right? And I think... You just segue into our next point, your <laughs> retirement. <laughs> See, it all fits together. It, all, it, it does. It's really, none of these pieces exist in a vacuum. You can't look at one without looking at the other because they all, you change one, you change the other. That's why I teach it the way that I do. There's five kind of key points is because these five you need. And once you have them in place and you, you're looking at them on a regular basis, you can then pull in other specialty things and drop them wherever you need them. But you've got that foundation. Yep, absolutely. So. Retirement. We know retirement is different. Uh, many people think of retirement as, you know, hey, I'm going to sit on my rocking chair on my on my porch now and not really do much of anything. I've got my money if they manage to save it up at this point, and I'm good. But you and I know that is not the reality of retirement because what happens? Well, you've been working all your life to save money for whatever lifestyle it is, and you live some lifestyle where you're working, but you're working. So you, you're not just living lifestyle. You're retired, you're working less or not at all. So now you have more time to have more lifestyle. Are you just going to really sit around and do nothing or are you going to do more? People in retirement tend to do more. It's like being on vacation. Exactly. It's like being on, people do more. You're on vacation. What do you do? You don't just sit at home or in your room if you're gone somewhere. You do something. You go out with your friends. You go with your family. Maybe you're you know hanging out with your grandkids more. Whatever it is. You're just out shopping. You're just because you're not sitting at home. You want to be doing things and it all costs money. It all costs money. And that's the other, I think, misconception with retirement is that when you're in retirement, oh, I paid off my home. I paid off my credit cards. I don't have my kids. Uh, I'm not going to use much money. What's the reality? You need more. You're living more. So the reality is most people need at least as much or more. There's a real mental piece that goes with us too, I think, which is when you're working, I think we all sort of rein our spending in to some degree tied to how much money we're making. We may not do a good job at it, but in our back of our heads, we're like, ah, I'm making a hundred grand, then I'm going to spend a hundred grand. When you get to retirement, there's no more money coming in. So all of a sudden, so what's guiding your spending habits? Mm. It's like you thinking, well, I've got $500,000 in the bank. Um, that's what I've got to spend there's a fundamental shift you have to take in saying, what are my resources and how long do they have to last? So how much do I really have? Right. One of the things that I like to talk about is how your lifestyle and spending can change over time. I think that there's a natural inclination that as you make more money, you want to spend more money. But over time, I try to encourage people that as you make more, you don't want to spend it all because what you're doing is you're increasing that lifestyle so when you get to retirement, you have a more expensive lifestyle you're going to have to sustain, which is great if you have the money saved, by all means. Well, and the other part of this, too, is that even if you maintain the same lifestyle in retirement, we have inflation. So the costs of things are going to go up anyway. So even if you stay at the same lifestyle, you actually need more money because the value of that money is lower in the future. Right. 
And the other thing is, is that I think a lot of people, it goes off their radar. They're still going to have to pay taxes. Right. Taxes don't go away in retirement. They don't. That's right. You still have to pay income taxes. And this is one of the things, Linda, that we talk about with Watch Like Rebels is the planning for the future. Remember I mentioned to you before we have this thing we call the safe tank? Yes. So if in retirement, if you plan for that fact that you're going to have to pay taxes, but you don't really have an income, so you really want to reduce taxes, there are ways to manage your money to so that in retirement you pay less income tax. You know, if you put is, yourself, oh my God. You, you think about so the opportunity important. cost and you put your money in a place where when you access it, you don't have to pay as much tax on it. That's huge. It's, it's absolutely huge because it, like I said before, it's like you don't have never ending stream of income coming in. It's like you got, so you need to maximize every single penny, including tax dollars. So that's very cool. All right. Before we close for today, Linda, I am going to ask you for our Wealth Tactic Rebels value bomb, which is, in your experience, something our listeners can look to avoid and then what they can do about it. We talked about the thing that I found the scariest. I'm going to go back to sort of the little investing thing just because I found it was scary and I wish somebody had told me, given me more advice early on. And my advice is, is that as you're getting started, invest in things that you understand. I'll give you a perfect example. A good friend of mine started teaching his daughter about investing when she was 10 and he bought her stocks in Coca-Cola and she understood it. And because she understood Coke, it was like two years later, they came out with some funky cherry decaffeinated flavor. She tasted it and she's like, this is awful. They're going to take the value of my stock down. They need to get rid of it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she was pretty passionate about it too. For 12 year olds. In starting by investing in things that she understood, when the market went up or down, it made it easier for her to understand how it works. And from there, you can start to build. And so don't be afraid to ask questions about how things work, especially if you're talking to a financial advisor who you're lucky to have as a resource if somebody's right there. Ask them how things work. Start simple and then build. And don't be intimidated by it because it's just so important for your future. Very good. Thank you. So... Uh, Wealth Ethic Rebels, thank you for joining us with Linda today. Linda, do you have anything you want to share with our listeners? Thank you again so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And if anybody wants to find me, I actually have a, a quiz that people can take that's actually fun. It's called your What's Your Money Personality Quiz. Uh, they can take it, go to realfamilyfinance.com forward slash quiz. It's just a easy, fun. I promise it will make you feel good. Very good. Linda, we're going to put your website and your contact information on our show notes page for today's episode. For the thing about managing your money, the five key points for helping you think differently to prepare for success. Thank you for joining us again. I appreciate sharing your knowledge and your experiences and your wisdom with our listeners today. Thanks again for having me, Kevin. This is great. Absolutely. Authentic Rebel listeners, thank you for joining us today. And please do us a favor and go to our Authentic Rebels Facebook page and drop us a quick note there. Let us know what you thought about our episode today, specifically any point that you think applies to you directly that's going to help you, what resonated with you with today's episode. And again, Linda, thank you. Wealth Act Rebel listeners, thank you for joining us and have a fantastic day. Want to really see things differently? Take our course in Genius Tactics 201, where we teach you all the wealth accumulating tactics with detailed real-life examples See your progress with quizzes and a certificate of completion. For course details, visit WealthTacticRebels.com. 
Sign up today and start seeing things differently. This presentation is intended as informational only. Information presented does not consider your particular financial objectives, risk tolerance, time horizon, or other unique circumstances, and does not constitute a personalized recommendation or replace the advice of a financial, tax, or legal advisor or other qualified professionals. Do your own research and do not use the information of this presentation in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional. To the best of our ability, we provide content that is accurate as of the date of release. However, we give no assurance or guarantee regarding its accuracy, timeliness, completeness, or applicability. We assume no liability for the information of this and related presentations.